Speaking for Pastor Henry Horner and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to What's New. My name is Ed Peters. We move on today to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapters 24 and 25, known as the Olivet Discourse, constitute the last of the major discourses in this gospel. As we noted on our previous study, Jesus has now denounced the religious rulers. He has also turned his back on Jerusalem and has told them, that their house, their temple, is to be left desolate. Jesus also made it clear to them that his kingdom would be postponed. Now, as chapter 24 begins, we see Jesus and the disciples leaving the temple compound. The temple was made up of many buildings, and this is the temple that Herod was having built, and the construction was still going on. It was made of white marble, and at this time was very large and beautiful. It is quite evident, however, that the disciples are disturbed by the statement of Jesus that this beautiful temple is to be left desolate. So they come to him, wanting to show him around the temple buildings. But Jesus responds to them by saying that there will not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, here are the opening three verses of Matthew chapter 24. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples came along and wanted to take him on a tour of the various temple buildings. But he told them, all these buildings will be knocked down with not one stone left on top of another. When will all this happen? The disciples asked him later, as he sat on the slopes of the Mount of Olives, what events will signal your return and the end of the age? You are Lord of creation and Lord of my life, Lord of the land and the sea. You are Lord of the heaven before there was time, The first question asked by the disciples, when will all this happen? 
In other words, when will a temple be destroyed is not answered by Matthew. It is answered by Luke, with some segments answered by Mark. Matthew's focus is on the events that will signal the return of Christ and the end of the age. Remember, the Gospel of Matthew presents the kingdom and the king. The destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in A.D. 70 has something to do with the age in which we are now living, but nothing to do with the distant future when the king returns to establish his kingdom. Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. For the last 10 What's New programs, I have focused on the words of Jesus recorded by Matthew in chapter 23 of the first gospel. Jesus, in very strong language that allows for no misunderstanding, condemns the unbelief among the religious leaders of his own people. Not only unbelief regarding himself, but unbelief with respect to Jehovah, his prophets, and the Bible itself. The chapter ends with tender words regarding his people, represented by their capital city, Jerusalem. Jesus spoke those words recorded by Matthew, but in no way does that give us license, particularly as Gentiles, to judge and to seek to punish his people for the sin of the crucifixion. In the past programs, I have tried to emphasize the fact that many Jews received and followed Jesus. After all, the early church was totally Jewish, and it virtually exploded as it reached out to the Gentiles. Furthermore, had we lived then, we would have taken our place with the crowd that called for the crucifixion. And furthermore, not only were the Romans involved too, but God was involved in the sacrifice of his son. Far from child abuse, this act indicated God's overwhelming love for his human creation. The persecution of Israel by Gentile so-called Christians because of the crucifixion is beyond a doubt the darkest chapter in the history of professing Christendom. Just to revise history won't erase that blot. Let's not resort to revisionist history or we'll almost certainly repeat its atrocities. Not too long ago, one Gentile whose father was very well known suggested that David and the prophets were not Jewish and neither was Jesus. Sometimes I wish we could forget the dark parts of history. But if it helps us to avoid committing the same atrocities, then let's keep the memory alive. However, we must come to terms with our dark past, lest it ruin the present. Neither those who suffered so much in the past nor their descendants should allow those dark memories to distort the present by marring and warping their lives now. Then the original perpetrators are scoring a double victory. I leave Matthew chapter 23 here and come to chapter 24. After he spoke those words to the disciples, the crowd, and the religious leaders at the temple, Jesus and his disciples left there for nearby Bethany. As they were walking away from the temple area, the disciples had some questions based on what Jesus had just said. They remembered that the Messiah, according to the prophets, came to rule over the nation and its capital, Jerusalem. 
But Jesus had just thoroughly denounced the nation and the city. Now, as they walked by the temple, Jesus, perhaps pointing to the temple, said, Do you see all these things? I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. The disciples were mulling over what Jesus had just said. Soon Jesus and his disciples got to the Mount of Olives. They sat down. If the temple and Jerusalem were destroyed, this presented some serious problems. If that were true, then where, from what capital, and over what nation would Messiah rule? Here stood this beautiful, magnificent temple complex, which Herod had enlarged. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? These were their two questions. First, they asked Jesus, when will what you just described happen? When will the temple be so utterly destroyed that not one stone will be left on another? The second question, what will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? These questions relate to Israel, to their immediate future, and to the Messiah's return to close history, to their distant future. These questions are not related to the coming church at all. They relate to Jerusalem, to the temple, to Israel, and to the return of their Messiah to establish and begin his reign. It seems that Matthew doesn't record Jesus' answer to the first question at all. Luke, in his account of this same incident, in 2120, makes the comment that when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Perhaps Jesus is referring, in part at least, to the first question, when will the city and the temple be destroyed? Obviously, when the Roman armies are seen surrounding the city, that should tell the inhabitants that the fulfillment was near, and the first question of the disciples was initially answered. The approaching armies should be the sign, and the city fell and the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. But Matthew skips any reference to the near future. He focuses mostly on the answer to the second question of the disciples, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, Jesus begins to list signs that point ahead to the culmination of history. History as we know it will someday end. It had a beginning and it will have an end. It will conclude climactically. And Jesus predicts how that will happen. Much of this chapter 24 is prophetic. It is prediction. I'll focus on the matter of God predicting tomorrow. Some people have a problem with predictions in the Bible, especially predictions relating to the distant future. But if the Bible is the word of God, and if its author, God, stands above time, then I have no problem. God, who is timeless, who sees the end from the beginning, to whom there is no past and no future, is then capable of presenting as fact what to us is still future. Let's let God be God. 
and let's believe what He says. News, a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.